It's just good to talk to you guys, man. Tony, how was yesterday? It was good, man. Nice and relaxing. Celebrating the wife's birthday, just kind of hanging out. So it was all good. Can you can you tell the listeners where you went, or is that like uh, on the DL? No, we just hung out around town, basically. But we got like a hotel and whatnot. Three of us, you know, me, her, and Connor just kind of hung out. So nothing too crazy. Mr. Proof, how you doing? Nice to make your acquaintance. Yeah, you as well, man. I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on here. No, we appreciate you, man. We're doing our best to get, like, awesome new people. And uh, from what I understand, uh, Morales doesn't put anyone over unless they're on the level. Well, he said, yeah, if he said I'm awesome, he's definitely right. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I once quoted him as being the smartest man in New Era Wrestling. So. Oh, man, I missed you, Era, man. <laughs> we all do. Oh, yeah, we, Any uh, ETA on that? Uh, nothing else. I know there's plans still to come back, but, you know, uh, owners still want, you know, full capacity before we can come back, so. Got we kind of, you know, we don't want to, don't want to cause any issues for Mile High or for us in general, so. No, of course, man. I mean, like, what a genius idea to put wrestling in a comic book store. Yeah. Hmm. Definitely mixes well, shoot. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to focus in there. You see so many cool things around, and you're trying to have a good match, and then, oh, shit, there's a big-ass Sentinel behind me. That's right. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're taking a Canadian Destroyer. Yeah. I've always wondered, how does the sound travel in there, man? Like, uh, I know that certain places, the sound will, like, uh, the crowd gets drowned out, you know, on the uh, acoustics of the the place, but, but a warehouse. I mean, can you really hear the crowd? Yeah, I never had a problem with it. No, yeah, I mean, we're all um, in, like, you know, kind of a compact area. It's I mean, a huge warehouse, but, um, you know, they kind of have it blocked off to where um, it's, like, in a really good area for, I guess, you know, acoustics and just, you know, overall um, experience for the fans, you know. So it's kind of, like, you know, blocked in, but, you know, you could still see the whole warehouse behind you. But, yeah, it's just a great it's a great atmosphere, man. I always loved working there. How would you get started there, man? Uh, with New Era? Oh, man, that was... Uh, kind of just you know taking a shot really like uh i had been out of um out of the game for a few years actually i'd taken a break and went back to school and done some things like that so um you know i was working uh out in missouri previously and uh when i came back to colorado is where i'm from um you know like i said after my kind of layoff i had the itch again to get back into it and i uh, just started looking up places here in colorado and uh, to be quite honest, I was really unfamiliar, you know, with the scene, which is, you know, kind of, I guess, a detriment to to my, uh, to my, um, you know, level of like looking into things be- uh, beforehand. But I kind of just, you know, took it, uh, took a chance, and I saw, I really liked the New Era's website, and um, like the, they had the talent listed on there, and it looked like a, a good group of guys, and it just looked like a, a company I wanted to be a part of, you know. And so um, they were the first ones I reached out to and um, discussed, you know, going to try out and. Basically, that's how it happened. You know, I went and tried out um, one weekend, and you know, they uh, they thought I you know did pretty well, and they wanted to kind of see some more of me. So I kept coming back to the trainings, and then uh, showed up to a show and uh, got booked. And basically, that was history. You know, just uh, 
kind of kept working at improving and getting back to to the level I was um, comfortable being at, you know, not just uh, coming back and being like sloppy in the ring or not pushing myself. So it was a, it was a matter of just getting myself really, you know, mentally and physically back into it, um, which took, a, you know, a few months. But after that, I was, you know, I was kind of back into a full swing. How badly did Morales beat your ass up while you're getting trained? Uh, not too bad, man. <laughs> yeah, actually, they actually took it, you know, kind of easy on me, thankfully, but not too much. You know, they, uh, they kind of knew my history though, too. You know, they knew I came from a reputable school. I went to the Harley race Academy in Missouri. So they knew that, um, I probably knew what I was doing, you know, for the most part, but they, of course, had never really seen me, um, work in person or anything like that. So they had to, you know, kind of just test me out against some of the guys, but, but yeah, thankfully, um, you know, the, the training wasn't, uh, anything I wasn't used to, you know, it was tough, but I mean, coming from Harley's, that was a really, really intense uh, training program you go through there. So it put, it basically prepared me to get, to go anywhere and do well. How old school was that training? <laughs> oh man, very old school. You know, um, when you're talking Harley race, it doesn't get more old school than that, you know? And he, uh, he, uh, they, t- they call him the toughest guy in the business for a reason, you know, like he was, he was the toughest back then. He was, people still feared him, even though he was, you know, way past his prime, you know, when I was there, but people still just, regarded him in that in that same light you know he had that aura about him and even for me like i, I sometimes i had a hard time even go up and talking to him because like wow this is harley race i'm actually really talking to harley race right now so so yeah man he uh, he kept it old school the guys he um that trained uh, me they were definitely old school guys and they brought they want to kind of keep that going and um so yeah it was just nothing but you know the best kind of learning experience out there those old school guys, I mean, they, they, I, I've talked to a couple of people that have been trained by, you know, like Al Snow and, uh, I can't remember who Corner was trained by. It's, it's one of those things where I, I hear a lot of, uh, either they're really adept to want to adapt to what's going on now, like not just the flippy shit, or they, mm-hmm. or they want to keep things old school wrestling. And it's, it seems pretty black and white on that. Yeah, I'd say I'd say it's about right for some guys. Um, I think you know there was uh, my trainer. He was definitely one of the most flippiest guys I've ever met in wrestling, awesome. even to this day. Um, his name was Darren Wade. He's a really cool guy. He was really uh, really young at the time too, so he was kind of like um, you know he was a trainer at Harley, so he kind of like excelled right away. Um, you can tell from just that. But um, yeah, he was definitely like one of the high flyer flippy guys, and you know think oh Harley, he he wouldn't like that, but no, they embraced the guy and. They loved his style, and um, he kind of helped bring that, you know, that different style to uh, Harley's Academy and um, to the actual promotion. And so, so yeah, Harley definitely was old school. He did like to keep it, you know, um, in that kind of, you know, in that kind of flavor. But um, he would he would allow guys to kind of just, you know, do their own thing, flippy flippy stuff, and you know, try different things. But um, it wasn't like re- very restrictive, like oh no, you can't be doing that kind of stuff. So it was pretty open. What was the intro to that sort of thing, man? Like, because I, I hear everyone has different styles, how to break people, or people try to break people and see who gets weeded out, or they they really just get you into like some hardcore fundamentals right away. I mean, like, were they weeding people out, or were they really going to just really encourage people? Well, I think they're the, they kind of had a good setup. You know, they knew what they were doing. Um, it was kind of like a tested method of how they trained, so they didn't really have to change anything. Anytime and somebody new came in, they just basically stuck to what they were doing, and that in itself weeded you know a ton of people out um, when I was there, at least. But um, yeah, just you know, lots of cardio. You know, we had every time we um, had training, which was about three times a week. Um, we started you know the first half hour to an hour of just doing cardio stuff. You know, so 
we uh, we do like all the push up drills, you know, squats. We do uh, two hundred squats before um, actually getting in the ring. So um, going in the ring with rubbery legs was definitely um, something that always happened. Um, but then they did stuff too, like you know, um, like fifty bump drill. They didn't, you know, we'd have a, a guy go in there and just you know you'll get bumped for 50 times in a row and that really tests you for sure you know that really helps we out guys right there um but the good thing about them they didn't like you know start bumping and stuff right away they kind of you know um weaned you into that kind of stuff so they they wanted to see your athletic ability your cardio that kind of stuff first before they really got intense with the uh, the actual bumps and stuff morales how do you usually get those guys going uh no i generally just keep it a, no, a very very basic you know drill do some rolls do some push-ups squats jumping jacks a little bit you know kind of just kind of get it get the butt uh, get the blood pumping a little bit how do you feel about that old school type of mentality uh you, you morales uh when it comes to like weeding people out is that is that a good idea or is that just a quick way to get rid of people well the thing about getting rid like i'm not necessarily opposed to getting rid of people because some people you know some people have issues Right, but like I, I've never been one to go out of my way to weed people out right off the bat. Uh, they they definitely tend to weed themselves out over time. Yeah, it just seems like a bad idea to always just like go straight to just get rid of people, man. Because uh, like we 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 ma- we maintain on like a you know uh, there's no such thing as nobody in wrestling, and you know everyone has their own place, and you know we got Mr. Proof here telling us he came from this old school background, man. Like uh, we appreciate you sharing that. Oh yeah, definitely, man. It's um, definitely the proud thing I've accomplished in my life. You know, was was going out there because I basically just took a chance out there with barely any money to my name and didn't know anybody out there really, except for um, one of the guys I had met um, previously to moving out there. Uh, but yeah, you know, it was just a it was a, a good chance to take, and for in my eyes, you know, because it's what I wanted to do, and um, it, it was just ended up being um, just a great experience. Met a lot of great people and had a great a lot of great experiences out there. What was the first thing that got you in the ring? Uh, the first thing, as far as like what made me want to get into wrestling, uh, you know, just the actually the obviously you know we're not we're you've obviously probably always wanted to wrestle since you were a kid. You know, we all have since we first saw it. But like, mm-hmm. what was the fire that lit under you to like really go seek it out? Uh, well, I'd say that you know um, I was young at the time. Um, it's something I had in my the back of my mind for you know um, since I was about maybe seventeen or eighteen, and then. Uh, you know, actually, what really impacted me um, was my father passing away. He passed away when I was uh, 20, and you know that kind of it was just it was unexpected. You know, he died of a massive heart attack in his sleep, and um, you know, just took my whole family you know off guard, caught us off guard, and so um, it took me you know a little while to kind of get through that. But after that, I was like, well, you know, I'm I'm young now, and if I don't take this chance and actually pursue something I want to do, I'm gonna I know I'm gonna regret it later. You know, so um, I think you know just having you know, that kind of like, you know, life short I, uh, mentality in the back of my head is what really pushed me to go out and do it. Where did you first find it, though? I mean, like, you're looking just for on the internet wrestling school. Did you have a friend that, like, was already working there, that sort of thing? No, um, I actually had no no knowledge of anybody, you know, doing it, which was kind of, you know, um, I guess the, the cool thing. I kind of just kind of seek out the places I wanted to go. And, you know, um, I... I knew that Harley Race was, you know, the of course, you know, just so accomplished in his career, and um, I honestly didn't even know he had a school until I started really looking into it. And I figured, you know, Missouri is not too far from Colorado; it's not too far of a move. So, you know, if I need to come home or whatever, it's only a couple states away. And um, I figured, you know, no more, no more reputable name than a guy who's, you know, been all over the world and been multiple time champion and 
um, highly respected. So um, I made the choice to go to Harley's. Just, just went for it. How did your family? How did your family go for it? I mean, especially, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you sharing that you lost your dad, and I'm sorry that uh, to hear that happened to your family. But I mean, that's a wrestling isn't exactly something people get into in their family who just lost a loved one is going to be okay with. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I took a. My mom was actually you know, really surprised, but not really. She always knew I loved wrestling, and she always knew that I, you know, took chances and, you know, pursued things I love. And um, she didn't want me to do it, of course, because not just for the fact that she didn't want me to move away, but she was always afraid of me getting hurt, and and that was her biggest fear. Just she didn't want me, you know, um, getting a really serious injury from it or something like that. So, uh, but she supported. She, uh, she supported me though, you know, and my sister too supported me. They knew that I, something I wasn't want to try and do, and um, they had my back, you know. And it was just, it was about probably four years after my dad passed that I actually decided to do it. So. So I did take some time, you know, to be with my family. I'd move back home and, um, you know, kind of get things in order a little bit. And um, when things kind of felt, you know, a little bit more stable, I decided to to take that chance. How many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, just one older sister. Oh shit, man! You were outnumbered. Yeah, yeah, big time, man. So, <laughs> but they're but they're awesome, man. They've always supported me, no matter what, like in sports or wrestling, whatever it is in life. But I always have their support, so I know that I can. I can do crazy stuff like you know pursue a, a dream in wrestling, and they'll be they'll be behind me. I'm just thinking how much of a pain in the ass that was in the first place because I'm Mexican and we're all brown as hell. And my I've got a little sister and who's basically my big sister, who still will whoop my ass for no matter what. I mean, she just punches. <laughs> <laughs> like it, that's her, how they are, man. Like ever since she was little, she didn't she didn't say she was mad. I just get a little fist to the gut, and then it got bigger. <laughs> And then how much older um, is she than you? No, no, she well, she's uh, six years younger than me. But the thing, oh, is, younger, okay. The, the thing is, though, uh, she's probably fifteen, twenty years more mature. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And of course, my mom. And then, man, like that—that's awesome of a story, man. Like you, you just you just went for it, and you went to school. You're at mile high, and you know I, I got to ask the quintessential question since we're coming out of it. Like, what have you been doing during the pandemic? Well, man, I, just, I recently became a, a father twice. You Hell know, yeah! So I have two young girls. Um, awesome. That's basically been, um, yeah, like how I've been spending my pandemic. Um, you know, just kind of having the time with them, man. Which I really, you know, it's it's crazy, but like I wouldn't have as much time with them if I was going to the office every day. You know, so thankfully I'm able to work from home with my uh, with my job, and. Uh, you know, of course, I do have to focus, and I'm, you know, downstairs most of the day. Um, but I am able to come up, you know, you know, sometimes during the day and hang out with them or help out the wife here and there, um, put them down for a nap, that kind of thing. So, but yeah, I, I could tell the the difference drastically. Like with my first daughter, um, we had her before the pandemic, and um, like you know, her and I were really close now, but. Like, you know, those first, that first year, basically, like I was hardly ever there during the day, you know, I was always going to work and yeah. I worked 45 minutes away. So she didn't see me as much, you know, and the bond wasn't as strong as it is now for sure that we see every, uh, each other every day. Um, but I could tell with my youngest daughter that, you know, my, the bonds like already there with her, like she's totally familiar with me and comfortable with me. And it's just definitely not how it was with my oldest daughter. So I'm, I'm really happy in that regard that I'm able to spend so much time around them now. It's not one of those things, because I, I my shoot job, I, I I talk to people all the time, just doing the the work from home thing. It's either a, pulling their hair out or the complete opposite, where they like they accidentally got closer than they thought they could get. Yeah, yeah, man, it's it's a crazy thing. I mean, people are going to be studying the, this time, like you know, years down the line to see the different effects it's had on so many different people. You know, everyone's situation is different. You know, even though we're all dealing with the same 
you know, pandemic, everyone has to, you know, adjust differently to it. You know, some people have to go into work every day. Some people can stay at home all day. And it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, years down the line, like how, how that affected people. You're still in Colorado? Yeah, yeah, we recently moved back. Um, we were we were in Washington State for a few years, and then um, moved back to uh, to Highlands Ranch um, just this past October. Dude, you must be doing well if you're living in Highlands Ranch. I'm doing all right, but trust me, I wish I was doing better, man. Because yeah, it is pricey here. There's yeah. definitely a lot of a lot a lot going on in this area, though. So that we love it, you know. There's just um, there's never anything that's like more than 15 minutes away. It seems like and even 10, you know, with 10, 10 minutes, everything's right in the vicinity. So, so we love our area, but, but yeah, I could, uh, I'm working on, you know, hopefully getting a, a pay increase here. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping so, man. Like just regardless that like the, the fact that you're, you're doing well, you got two little girls and you're living in Highland ranch. I mean, like, I mean, like, I mean, Morales, we're all doing great, but like, I don't know if I'm doing Highland ranch. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, we're, all, we're all trying to get to the Highlands Ranch level, that's for sure. Oh, that'd, be, that would, that'd be pretty nice. <laughs> but nah, speaking of that real quick, Proof, I was kind of wondering, you know, cause you've been, you know, you, you worked out in Missouri for a while. You worked in here in Colorado for you know, a number of years, and then you got a couple, you know, a couple years out on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. You know, any, any real big differences you can think of between working in those three parts of the country? Good yeah, question. that's a good question, man. Um, good question. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy too because it's it's uh, almost like different eras too. You know, it's so when I started at, um, um, in World League Wrestling out in Missouri. I mean, that was back in 2006. You know, so it's a while it's a while back now. Um, but the era back then, it kind of seemed like I don't know. It was, it seems like totally different from today's era. You know, like um, not to say not, I'm not trying to like you know, of course, bash. Harley's or nothing. This was right. I think the the sentiment everywhere. But like, I don't think they were as open to guys like venturing out to other um other organizations or other feds you know like it was like okay well you're with us and you're gonna you know work your ass off for us and you're not gonna try and go out and you know make a name somewhere else and that's the kind of feeling i got from all the different promotions that were around the area or even other out of state you know it just seemed like mm-hmm. they wanted their own guys you know and they wanted to build their their guys and they didn't want guys like you know venturing out too much and kind of you know paying more dues before you try to do that kind of thing you know so that's kind of the feeling i got back then but um you know, coming back back into the game, I guess, in, what, 2014, I think it was, with New Era, um, mm-hmm. it just seemed like there was, you know, a lot more opportunities for guys just to kind of, you know, to branch out and to travel and that kind of thing. And that's that's what I loved, of course, you know, about meeting Morales was, like, he was a guy that was always really, really generous about trying to get guys booked um, in other feds that he was booked in, you know, out of state or even, you know, within the state. So um, that was, like, the big drastic change I saw when I got back into it is, like, Oh, guys are like really supportive out here, and they're trying to like you know help help each other out and um, get to other places, you know. So that was really cool. Um, and then out in Washington, um, I actually worked out in Washington and in Oregon, so I worked in a couple promotions out there. But I, I, I kind of had like, I mean, you guys kind of know how it is here in Colorado. There's kind of like you know this, I guess, unspoken like you know uh, rivalry with some of the promotions here. That's how yeah. it is in Washington and Oregon. So can, can you take that and expand it into two states? And that's kind of basically um, the feeling I got out there, you know, um, not to say that, you know, guys weren't willing to like, you know, work together or like, you know, kind of help each other go to other promotions. But it just seemed like mostly like the uh, the Oregon guys like to kind of keep together and the Washington guys kind of like I like to keep together as well. But there was a few guys that would work, you know, um, between the states like myself and uh, kind of just tried to avoid all the all the drama because trust me, there was a lot of it out there. But thankfully, I was able to kind of keep my nose out of that. No, that, that's awesome, man. No, it's always uh, awesome. Shoot. 
But yeah, Knox, you were working what? Uh, I think you were Defy Wrestling and WCWC, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I only worked one show for Defy. Unfortunately, like um, I honestly don't know. Like I, I tried to connect with the promoter again, and things just didn't work out um, for whatever reason. But I mean, sometimes you know you find a fit, sometimes you don't. So I kind of just uh, I moved on and looked for other promotions, and uh, that's when I found a. Uh, I got you know uh, booked with WCWC, uh, which was a really great uh, promotion down in Oregon. Uh, they were doing you know some TV at the time, so it was really cool to get that exposure and to um, to learn how to do TV. You know, I've done it before, like at Harley's, but it was so long ago and you know different era, so it was kind of like relearning um, how to ride a bike almost. But uh, but yeah, they had a lot of great shows and a lot of great talent they'd bring in from all over the place. Um, you know, they started bringing in some guys from Colorado too towards. Uh, towards when the pandemic hit, which was really cool to see. But, um, yeah, they're always trying to grow young talent and also, you know, kind of bring back um, some of the vets to help out that younger talent, which is really great to see, too. Um, and then another promotion I actually uh, worked for in Washington uh, was called Northwest Pro. And that's kind of kind of one I looked into um, initially when I went out there. Um, I never heard back. And then when things um, kind of got quiet, when I was only getting, you know, just the one booking, I decided to reach out to them again. And um, they had actually stopped running for a while, I found out, and then they were about to start again. So it was pretty good timing to get in with them. And um, the guy that uh, was running at the time, J.D. Mason, uh, real good guy, man. He, uh, he reminds me a lot of Zach um, out here. Okay. He's, he's a just really knowledgeable guy, um, really just, you know, about putting on a great show, about taking care of the guys and giving everyone a chance, you know. Like there were some guys that I know like wouldn't get booked anywhere else like that I've ever worked, but he was willing to work with those guys, you know, and just to help them to – to get on the show to get that experience you know not put them into any danger or anything like that but just to let them get the experience you know and that's uh that's what i really liked about him is he was just all all about having those experiences for people and just making it fun for everybody not just you know um not just the workers but the fans and stuff so so yeah it was a great promotion too to work for and um as far as i know i think they're going to be starting um running again and they have uh you know a lot of good talent there and they're trying to build stuff up too and be a little bit of a bigger name out there in washington he must be a good guy if you're comparing him to Zach because the, Zach is one of the few names that's ever got thrown out to me as a reporter where I've only heard nothing but good about. Yeah. No, yeah, man. I mean, same with Zach, same with Zach you know. Like, I love Zach to death. And, um, you know, they're just the, kind of the same breed, you know. They're just guys that you, can, you know you can rely on, you know you can trust. They're not going to bullshit you. They're not going to, you know, um, stiff you on pay or anything like that. You know, right. like, they're just really good guys who, who care about their uh, their product and care about their workers. So. Speaking of people that care about their workers, how did you meet Mr. Morales here, man? Well, 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 like, uh, like through, straight uh, shoot, straight. No, I know obviously it's through New Era, but straight shoot. What was it? What was it like meeting Mr. Morales first? Oh man, it was like probably one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life, honestly. <laughs> but <laughs> but after a while, the kid kind of grows on you, you know, like it took <laughs> like a fungus, like a fungus. I was thinking no, more uh, like but, a more yeah. We like honestly a like initially we never really like we didn't like talk a whole lot, right, Tony? Like I, I remember I like I don't, at least other, I know because you had a. I mean, I remember from your first match at New Era. I think, you, if I remember correctly, you were uh, Johnny Poison Pan Pantoya. I think it was you and Ortega, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, good memory, man. That's what it was. Yeah, I mean Ortega. Yeah, cause I think you cycled through a couple of different ideas those first couple of months for really settling on the proof idea. Yeah, yeah, that's right, man. And um, like I always remember, like when that first show, you know, like, uh, I was saying goodbye to all the guys and I honestly don't remember saying bye to anybody else, but I remember saying bye to you and you're like, Oh, I look forward to working with you. And that just really stuck with me, man. I was like, oh, okay, this, this dude's good. You know, like most guys, that, like, like I said, I was used to coming to, um, coming from like a place where, you know, like, Oh, you have to earn your respect and you know, you have to, 
you know, you have to kiss my ass or something if you want to get ahead. <laughs> like, yeah. that wasn't, yeah. that's, you know, I, I kind of, when I, cause like, you were the champ at the time. So when I went to introduce myself, like, oh shit, like, how's this guy going to be? And, um, yeah, you were like really cool, man. Like, oh, yeah, I look forward to working with you. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll always, that'll always stick with me, man, because, um, you know, for a top guy like that to say that for a guy that's coming in, um, like myself with, you know, very little experience in the company, um, that went a long way with me. So I appreciate that. Man, sadly, I'm still waiting. For, we're still waiting for that first singles match. Shoot, dude, I know. Like we, right? had, we had that one tag. We had that one tag match in uh, New Mexico, and that's only time we've ever been in the ring together. Exactly, that, I know. We've both been heels, you know, for for the longest time. So I guess if only we know a guy that could get us, you know, get and make a match like that happen. Mm. Exactly, I know. Let's see what we can do about that. Hey. <laughs> no, man, that'd be that would be awesome, though, man. That's always been uh, one I've wanted to knock off my list is to to go toe to toe with Morales. Man, someone's got to get him, uh, get him going, man, because he's uh, he's obviously taking it easy after the surgery, and uh, it's funny when you, when you talk about me and Morales, man, because when I first met him, like I looked, uh, when I first met him, like uh, my homeboy was like, "You got to be in a show, you got to be in a show," and him and Cumby looked at me like, "Fuck you," and then I was like, "All right, <laughs> all right." I mean, they, they, I don't think it wasn't worded like that. No, no, it wasn't worded, but but their their talked. eyes. Their we eyes. Made it happen. <laughs> their, their eyes, and then and then uh, he approached me, and we just hit it off. And I, I got the. I'm, I'm super lucky. Like he's like the greatest addition to the show, man. Like I can't tell you how uh, he's. Dude, working out with him is a fucking son of a bitch, man. We work out on the weekends, <laughs> man. And and it's like uh, on Sundays, uh, Sunday and uh, Monday. I'm like, uh, there's been times where I've was dreaming of working out and then like woke up with what I was working on my dream actually hurting because Tony put me through that. <laughs> Tony that's put awesome, me through that. No, that's dude, what Morales will do to you though. Yeah, that's what Morales does, man. He, he's, he's a good encouragement. Man. Yeah, he, he approached me and then uh, we hit it off on the show and we got him on the, as a, uh, a main person here on minefields and it, it's only been uphill from this, man. It's, it's, uh, I, I thought I could do this on my own and now I was completely wrong and, it's one of those things. Every time I meet any one of his uh, bastard children, Cumby, Logan, <laughs> fuckers setting up franchises, uh, they're they're like they 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 see uh, they see they Morales, the game of life. <laughs> yeah. Then they freeze. Like if Tony says something, it's like whoa, 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 we'll do exactly what Tony just said. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's a respect, man. That's yeah. That's where um, that's where you can't go wrong with having Morales around, no matter. You know what you have going on, man. He's just a great mind for the business, and even better for you know up and coming talent. You know, like he looks out for guys, and just like I said, for myself coming in, you know, he looked out for me and helped me get uh, bookings out of state and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, man, you got you got a gem right there. You got a diamond. It's it's good to see him work, man. At the last show we had, like I saw him take a few guys aside and throw the knowledge on him, but like it was like nothing else existed other than what Morales was saying. He did real soft hand, but you could tell that what was happening was heavy and mm-hmm. they walked away smarter and oh yeah yeah they walked away smarter or maybe encouraged i don't know tony you ever you ever told someone they had a good match i don't know <laughs> it's been done like once or twice <laughs> on a very rare but, occasion. i do end up in like national company so it's okay. no nonetheless <laughs> yeah. but anyway let's get back let's get back to you proof one question i wanted to ask like particularly you know from friend to friend um you know you did train out in harley's you moved out there to do so um but do you feel you're better off for doing that as opposed to training at a local company? I do, man. You know, I think that um, I made the right choice, you know, like um, I was in the right hands. I was in the with the right set of guys. And, you know, it was it was really cool at the time because I knew like how good I had to be, you know, like because Harley, of course, had the name. And so it brought 
it brought other names to the company. You know, um, I was training with uh, the likes of you know the DiBiase brothers, uh, nice. Joe Hennig, um, Amy Hennig, you know his sister. So and even uh, Richie Steamboat came by too. So I mean, when you have those kind of names coming in, you know you have to push yourself hard, or just just as hard, or even harder than those guys. And that's what I always tried to do. You know, is just to to make sure that I stood out too, not just that those guys were getting all the attention. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, the proudest thing I could say about my time there is that like they, you know, they say that it takes about six months to go through the training there. And at that six month point, they'll evaluate you and see if you're ready for a show or not. Um, or if you need to keep training. Um, and I was able to, you know, get my first show, graduate the Academy and get my first show within four months. And I honestly, I owe it to a lot of those guys that came, you know, like if there wasn't that level of, um, I don't want to say competition, but that level of, um, you know, um, competitive not, spirit. Yeah, almost, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I guess the word I'm looking for. But if there wasn't that level of competition there, I might not have, you know, got um, gone as good as I would have uh, as quick. You know, so it definitely helped to to have that um, kind of um, those kind of guys around for that. What exactly constitutes like really pushing yourself? I mean, getting up an hour early, showing up thirty minutes earlier. I mean, like two more hours out, two more two more hours in the gym. Uh, how did you really push yourself to really excel that far? Oh uh, yeah, I was always being on time. You know, never being late. Always showing up and staying late if I had to. Um, always being like the first guy willing to do anything. So if there was a drill that you know they said, all right, who wants to volunteer? I'd always be the first to volunteer. You know, just always being eager, always being um, hungry. You know, just always showing them that you're you're wanting to learn. You know, that much more and. Um, and then, of course, actually executing it, you know, like actually taking what they're they're telling you and using it, you know, not taking criticism and uh, getting down about it, but taking that as a chance to learn and to get better and to improve. And that's, that's what I try to do um, day in and day out there. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I really was able to kind of just to capture that um, that fire and that energy I needed to, to always push myself. What was your first coachable moment? I mean, like when you really messed up and they had to coach you. If you don't mind sharing that, where, where, where you had to eat some shit. And how did you react uh, with the business in mind? Yeah, so uh, honestly, there was a, one of the moments that I'll – it's kind of like a – almost like a uh, – it was a frightening moment for me. <laughs> but there was a guy there that I was really good friends with and um, he ended up kind of having a falling out you know, with the company. and Not with Harley really, but there were some guys there he didn't really get along with. And it turned up into like this big old drama kind of situation. But um, – Anyway, like when he was still there, um, he was tag champs with the guy he ended up not really getting along with in the end. And uh, so kind of as a rib uh, one night um, to the, the, you know, his tag champ, his co-tag champ, um, we had the tag team titles, you know, uh, we, we were roommates. And so he had the tag titles and um, I had recently been booked um, for TNA um, to be a member of the uh, um, LAX, you know, group back then. Oh, so wow. I was... I was just, you know, somebody that had to go like wheel down Conan to the ring. It was nothing big. I didn't get, you know, to work or nothing. I had like a little bit of action outside of the ring. But anyway, it's not the point. Um, so I, I like we kind of took played off of that, you know, and like him and I were saying, oh, we're LAX now. And, you know, kind of like trying to give shit to his tag team partner. And so we took some pictures um, with us in the belts and we had like gotten this uh, this tape that was like red, green and white, you know, Mexican colors. And we put LAX belts and like just, you know, did poses like Sean Michaels and Triple H and we're just doing stupid shit like that just to try to get under his skin you know and it was never meant to like disrespect Harley or anything like that or disrespect WLW it was just meant to be a rib on him but um anyway so after my buddy left you know the school left the promotion he was gone um one night I'm at training and uh 
you know, Harley calls me over and he's like, Hey, what's this shit I hear about these pictures you got? Oh, fuck. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh shit. He found out about those. Like how the hell did he find out about those? I'm like, uh, yeah, Harley, we just, we took those as a, as a rib to Dinty, you know, um, actually the guy, well, maybe I'm saying too much here, but fuck it. Um, the guy was Dinty Moore. Um, he's actually beer city bruiser now. Um, I think he works for ROH at the moment, but, uh, so that was a guy that my buddy didn't like. And, um, we played a rib on him, but it ended up coming back to bite me in the ass because Harley got on me about it, you know, like asking what the fuck these pictures are about. And uh, I guess my buddy had posted them on his back then MySpace. Um, <laughs> and, uh, oh, you know, no. it came around, to, you know, for people finding out that, you know, the, those pictures were posted and those were uh, of him and I, you know, and they were thinking, oh, we we're disrespecting Harley and the, you know, the belts and that kind of thing. And so I had to really just smooth it over with Harley and let him know, hey, like, I didn't mean any disrespect to you or the promotion. We were just playing the rib on Dinty and that was the end of it, you know. And right. So, yeah, like that was uh, probably the, I guess, one of the most learnable experiences I had there is don't do any kind of shit to piss off Harley like that. Because, yeah, that was uh, that was kind of intimidating to go having to talk to him about that. Well, well I'm on a little bit more, more insight on that because – I've I've had some coachable moments and uh, it was I got I froze deer in the headlights. Okay, I could either be I've got an ego or I, I'm right or maybe I should listen. Mm-hmm. What was going through your head? I mean, was it was it the same thing or is it you just a lot of fear? No, I mean, I knew I knew it was you know bad that those pictures came to light because they weren't meant to be posted. They were just meant for him and I to have and to to show um, you know Dinty at the time um, as a rib, you know. But they were never meant to be like you know on the internet or anything like that. Um, so it was kind of just one of those moments maybe where I should have you know told my buddy like, hey, those pictures don't ever need to be posted or anything like that. But I did talk to him after that. And he took them down, and it was just one of those things like he was you know he was burnt out with the promotion and you know. Um, just the way things ended. And so he, that's why he posted those. And, um, I just, you know, told him, Hey, I'm still here. You know, <laughs> like that shit's going to affect me if you keep those up, you know? So just, you know, do me a solid and take them down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just kind of taught me to, to watch myself in those kind of situations and, you know, um, not to really trust, you know, anybody with, uh, okay. I guess those kind of pictures. Well, I, I, the, one of the main reasons I brought it up is because I think I, I find this to be a really big thing, a really big deal when it comes to um, learning the business, is learning how to be humble when you're getting coached. And mm-hmm. any advice, like even just basic bricks of it, like because the first thing I think of when learning to be coachable, because I've I've heard of some people that get buried or don't get booked in a promotion because they're just not coachable. I mean, that's, that's all that the, the political phrasing that can happen. Why aren't they here anymore? They're not coachable. Okay. I get it. I get it. But how how can you express that as someone established in the business for the, for the new up and comers to how to be coachable? Because that's a huge thing because once you, once people find out that, that you've got an ego and you don't give a shit, you're done. Yeah. That seems to be the thing, man. And, um, you know, when I do talk to young guys, that's that's one thing I try to drive home about it. Like, you know, just I know like a lot of guys in the business nowadays, like they get to that level of success like a lot quicker, it seems like, you know, than back in the day. And so a lot of the young guys coming up now, they see that and they think, oh, well, you know, I should be able to do that, too. I know I'm good enough. And, you know, I know that I have to just, you know, get the right opportunities or or whatnot. And so, you know, it's all about just telling them, you know, like it's. You know, don't compare yourself to anybody else. You know, like you have to work on yourself and that's it. Like focus on what you have to do to improve and, you know, um, success will come. You know, like just don't, uh, 
don't try to get to the moon before you're even in the damn rocket, you know, like make sure that you um, are doing the right things to prepare first. And, you know, um, when you get to that point, when you're able to try out for a big company or, you know, get the right eyes on you, you know, you'll be, you'll be more ready for that, for that moment. And you'll be more humble. Also, you won't feel that, Oh, I deserve this. And I'm going to get a contract today. Like, no, like that's not how it usually happens. You know, like you have to be one of those rare breeds to actually have that happen to you. And so, you know, just take that, take the learning lessons any way they come, you know, like you're going to get a lot of no's before you get that yes. And so just make sure that you're, you're just ready to handle those no's. The ego thing is definitely a big problem. And, and it's, I, I got coached on that too. Like how do I deal with the guys as an interviewer? Uh, just with the egos. And I was just told, listen, man, just, just, just chill out. It's going to happen. If they're a homie of yours, you uh, maybe give them, you know, obviously give them a little bit more love and then, you know, gauge it from there. But just let it be and don't let it bother you. And it's so hard to not let it bother you. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's not an easy thing, man, especially when you see people in the same industry or, um, you know, at this, either the same level as you are or even lower than you feel, you know, um, in your mind that they, they might be lower than you. But, you know, it's hard to see sometimes when those people get opportunities you feel like, you know, you should be getting. Um, but, you know, that's just that's how it is in any kind of um, industry, you know, whether it be entertainment or just, you know, shoot jobs or anything like that. Like, you know, certain people are going to get opportunities first and, you know, your time will come as long as you're doing the right things, as long as you're staying humble and not ruffling, you know, feathers or anything like that. Like, you know, your time will come. So it has to just be one of those things. It's a process, you know. Tony, how did you deal with your first uh, big shitty ego that came and took a crap on you? Hmm, let me see. First guy that really kind of put me in my place, really, was probably Matt Stryker from Heartland Wrestling Association. Like, he was he was super cool about it. But, like, because I, I, I was one of those young kids. I thought I was pretty good. And I, I'd be doing, like, stomps in the corner or something like that because he'd come out for a seminar and this is a, this is a unibrow Matt Stryker, not Matt Stryker from you know WWE and Impact. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I I stomped him really, I stomped him hard in the corner, and he basically was like, you know, you you need to calm down. Like that that was far more than it needed to be, and you know you're going to get in there with the wrong person, and they're going to whoop your ass. Oof. And you know he basically told me just like that, and you know I, I took that to heart, and you know. To, you know, to his credit, like it was never, it was never any kind of issue or anything afterwards. But like he definitely, you know, was stern with me and told me, "Hey, you need to, you need to work on this, or you're going to get yourself in trouble." Johnny, do you ever have an ego? I definitely, I definitely, I think we've all had an ego at one point or another. I think it's, I think it's kind of human nature, and it's you know, kind of nature of the beast in the wrestling industry. You know, a lot of this is based around wanting to be the center of attention. I think egos kind of, you know, there are definitely varying degrees of egos, but I think you definitely have to have somewhat of an ego. Well, you have to. It's just in general, because otherwise you're just going to be a beta, and betas have no place in this business. Mm-hmm. Or is that just me? I, I would say so. I mean, definitely, you know, there are, there are people that definitely are more than willing to take advantage of you if they feel they can. I think I think you could definitely agree with me on that one, Proof. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Proof, you ever have anyone yeah. take any uh, extra liberties with you in the ring? Ah, uh, no. Honestly, I've never, I've never had that. You know, thankfully, and that's always something like you kind of think will happen eventually. But yeah, for me, I've always, you know, um, 
I've always worked well with other guys, you know, and uh, I mean, kind of to Tony's point, there was a time when I kind of got a coach like that too, that I was, that my strikes were too hard um, in one of these matches I had back at Harley's. And um, it was just like the forearms to the back that I, you know, I love throwing those. It's like probably my favorite strike to throw because you can really just make a really solid impact and it won't really hurt the guy, you know? Right. And that's what I thought I was doing, you know? I mean, that's how I was taught. That's, you know, uh, Trevor Murdoch, who throws probably some of the best I've ever seen. Like, he's the one I kind of learned those from. And uh, so, I, you know, I used them in my match and I used them on that uh, opponent I had. And after the match, he was like, you know, you might want to watch out for those strikes, you know? Like, you were laying them in, laying them in pretty heavy. Um, but that's just, you know, I mean, that's, I never was told that in training, you know? I threw them all the time in training and other, and other matches and I was never told that. So, um, that was just something that maybe I, you know, I was like, well, okay, I'll take, I'll take that. You know, I didn't, you know, say anything to the guy, like, oh, well, I throw those regularly. Like I, you know, I was a young guy, I understood, you know, he was the vet and I just, you know, kind of took it and in, in stride and let him know, okay, you know, my bad. Like, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll think about that next time. But, um, you know, like I brought that up to my coaches and they're like, no, nah, yeah, throw him like that. You know, they're like, don't listen to him. Like keep throwing him that way. So, um, you know, it's, it's always, it's always good to be respectful, you know, like, no matter what, like if you don't agree with the guy, like hey, like that's that's something he felt in the match that didn't, you know, he felt was awkward or felt like it didn't go right, and so I'm not going to say, oh fuck off, you know, like that's the way I do it. Like I'm going to hear him out, and you know, we never worked again together because he was, you know, from out of state and they didn't bring him back um, again to work um, when I was there at least, and so I didn't have, didn't have the chance to work with him again. But um, you know, if we did work together, I probably would have, you know, lightened up a little bit, but not too much, you know, but just to kind of let him know, like, hey, I heard you out, and I'm not going to be a dick, and, you know, just keep throwing him that way. It's a lot of mindfulness to have to be pay attention to, especially when you're, like, in the spotlight, and, you know, you're getting told, okay, that might have been too hard, or that was really good. Um, how did you deal with the attention when you first started getting good and bad, whether it was, like, from the boys or from the or from the crowd. I mean, it, it's a lot because it really, even just from my what I do in the business, just being a podcaster and you know working over at CSW as producer, uh, it was a lot at first because all of a sudden I've got all these opinions getting thrown at me about who I am and what I'm doing. I'm, I'm like, wait, that's not me at all. Like, how did you even get that? Like, it kind of put me on edge for like a a, a long time. Uh, did you get the same feeling or were you all in stride for you? No, yeah, I'd say a lot of those feelings were what I went through, too. And, like, back then when I started, like, I was a really, really quiet dude, man. Like, I mean, I've kind of broken my shell over the years. But back then, I was really reserved. And, you know, it was basically to my detriment, I think. I think that's kind of what maybe held me back a lot there um, is, you know, just being that quiet guy, being reserved, not being as open to, um, you know, just being around the guys as much as possible because I didn't want to be – I didn't want to make a fool of myself or something like that, you know, just having those like insecurities back then was really, I think a detriment to me. Um, but I mean, I did, you know, uh, just being, uh, being able to work and being able to be trusted in the ring, like did get me far there. You know, I was able to work a lot of really, um, good names out there, you know, who have worked guys, you know, even like legends of this business, you know, like I, I got to work a guy named Wild Way Chisholm out there a few times and he was a really big name out at Harley's for many years. And, you know, he's worked the, um, he's worked a lot of guys from Japan before, and he's had a lot of opportunities to in the bigger companies. And so, you know, um, being able to be trusted by guys like that, you know, was really, really awesome. And so that kind of made it made me know that I was I was definitely capable, and I kind of had you know solidified my spot there um, as far as being you know trusted and um, you know trying to build my reputation there. Yeah, well, I remember meeting Wade. Wade was really a super good guy. I freaking I worked with him. I didn't work with him myself, but we shared a locker room a lot in Kansas. And, Oh, fantastic nice. guy 
Yeah, man. Like for the year after I got there, like he, the year before that, he had just worked uh, Kabashi on the um, on what the show was Harley ran that they do a joint promotion with um, Pro Wrestling Noah. You know, so um, I mean that was like really crazy. You know, to to know that I had worked a guy who had been with a legend like that. You know, and like he he thought of me like you know, of course not in the same regard as Kabashi, but you know, he thought of me as a trusted <laughs> worker and somebody he could he can definitely go out there and have some fun with. You know, which we had a lot of good matches together. That's awesome. Shoot. I like where you guys are going on this, man, because a lot of times people do these interviews and they, they're hoping or people are listening to these, hoping in for a shoot interview or someone to shit all over someone. And that's actually like the, the one thing we don't do here at Minefields is we don't allow it. It's just bad journalism. Uh, but you guys are going in the opposite direction. I mean, who are your favorite guys to work with? I mean, put put your favorite guys over. Morales, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, real quick, man. Uh, you know. Love I love the lucha style, so definitely Delta Junior, Tony Ortega. Um, I always, you know, when I started out, I worked a lot with I Am the Provider. Uh, fantastic dude, freaking uh, much love for I got to you know got to put over my boys Logan and Cumberbatch. I love working those guys. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, I mean, there's you know quite a few guys that freaking you know I'd love to work. Freaking you know as far as you know name guys I'd work. You know Jerry Lynn was phenomenal. You know, I can't say no. I can't. I can't say enough good things about Jerry, dude. Jerry, you know, Jerry was a guy that freaking came out here and worked a lot, and I worked with him quite a bit. And when I lived in Texas, and guys, freaking phenomenal. I bet, man. That must have been an awesome match. Oh yeah, definitely. I had a chance to work him like three or four times, and every time was a pleasure. How nice. about you, Proof? Oh man, like there's a lot of guys I love working with. You know. Um, Zach's definitely uh, one of the top of my list too. And yeah, hell yeah. We you know had a lot of great matches with uh, with both those guys. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, same with Ortega. You know, him and I worked a couple of times when I first came in, so that was um, that was really good to to get that kind of um, to work that style. You know, that kind of lucha style too, because I wasn't really too used to working um, out at Harley's. But um, yeah, and then I throw of course Wade Chisholm in there. Um, uh, Darren, uh, my my trainer, um, you know Darren Wade. We worked, man. My first probably twenty matches. It seemed like we we're against him, um, but yeah, he was. We always had really good matches together. And um, I guess more recently, um, you know, we've been uh, Adrian Matthews and I were working tags a lot. So awesome. Um, we worked uh, the Cook Brothers out in um, Oregon. Those guys are two young and up and coming guys, and they're really good. And uh, put in a lot of good work. Um, and then J.D. Mason, who I mentioned earlier, too, was a, a really great opponent. Um, I can go on and on, man, because, you know, there's a lot of good guys that have worked um, that I just that are friends, you know, to this day still. But, um, yeah, I don't want to take up too much time talking about that. You were <laughs> yeah. part of the Mile High Trio, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. I was part of the ill-fated Mile High Trito, Trio that got destroyed by Braun Strowman. Oh, shit, with old Mr. Curtis Cole. You guys were on the TV. <laughs> that's right. On the television, on the Monday Night Raw, getting those hands. Yeah, that was man. That was a hell of an experience, man. That's you know, I gotta, I gotta live my dream for what four minutes or whatever it was, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, that's always gonna be one of my, you know, of course, you know, highlights of wrestling is being able to do that. But uh, yeah, man, that was a it was definitely an interesting match, and um, you know, a lot of people, you know, because one of the spots in the match was me getting thrown 
from inside the ring outside to um, you know my my two tag partners, the other part of the trio catching me. And uh, you know, everyone always asks, "Oh, like you guys practice that or whatever?" I was like, "No, that was just on the fly kind of thing. Like we knew we knew it was gonna happen, but we didn't practice it. Like you know, like we just were like, all right, this, this spot's gonna happen, and just be ready." And so that's what it was, man. I was like, all right, I know what's going to come, and I just know I have to be ready, and I just hope these guys will catch me. And, uh, yeah, Tyler Stinson was the other guy in that uh, match with us, and, um, like, he barely, barely, I think, had to reach back a little bit because he, you know, he thought, oh, I was going to be landing a little bit shorter. But, no, Braun's a, Braun's a really strong man, dude. So he threw me a lot farther than I think everyone thought. And, thankfully, he got, like, a little bit of hands on me to kind of, you know, cushion my fall. But, um, but yeah, man, I I never knew what it would be like to be thrown, like, a, a Frisbee or a shot put. But that definitely was the moment. I remember watching, <laughs> I remember watching that, man. That's before I was anywhere near being in the business. And I remember saying, like, fuck these guys up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the general consensus for guys like me in that situation, yep. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though, is like every time they want to, you know, really kind of show off what Braun can do, they show that spot. Like to this yeah. day, it's still on highlight reels. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal. That's the moment that will, yeah, live on. It's a, it's a great moment for him. Maybe not so much for me, but at least I'm a part of it, you know. So. But did you die? <laughs> I didn't die. <laughs> did no, you die? So I'm good. But, but did you die? Exactly. Dude. I, I love the fact that they're like, did you, how many times did you guys practice that? Like, how many, like, like, honestly, come on. You, you can't, you can't just, it's, it's like the whole thing with like Edge jumping off the ladder and hitting the spear on Hardy when he's hanging yep. with the belt. Like, you, 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 how many times can you practice that? Like, yeah. you're, it, that's a one take move. You, you do exactly. it or you don't. Yeah, and you know, like you don't want to practice stuff like that because your adrenaline's not going as much. You know, like when you're in a match, your adrenaline's going, and like you know, when you feel when you have something like that happen, especially that um, that spear spot. You know, like if you would have done that practicing, that probably would have fucked him up. You know, like yeah, because yeah, your body's not, you know, your body's not warmed up for that kind of thing. Like you don't want to just do it and say, okay, let's you know, try it five times and then we'll be good. No, that's something you basically have to just go out there and do because if not, you're gonna really get, end up getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a one and done. Mm-hmm. When we used to joke around about Braun Strowman when that that hands thing came out, like, what if they're unusually soft? <laughs> like, they're what if he moisturizes like, all like, the time. Too moisturized. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> or just there's just these huge calluses. All right, and we know you're a strong man, but like, what if he's just the the sweetest guy backstage? Like, well, did you did you get to hang out with him? And was he waiting for you, gorilla, or anything like that? Uh, we got to talk to him. Well, of course, you know, we went over some things, you know, prior um, to the show, like in the ring with him. And he was cool in there, you know, like he didn't seem like a dick or nothing like that. But then uh, uh, right before the match, you know, like we're, you know, we're kind of um, backstage and stuff. And, you know, he's just going through his things. And he was always cool with us back there, too. And even after the match, you know, um, he was just a real solid guy, you know, like you could tell that he wasn't a dick or nothing like that. And um, he wanted to make sure he was, you know, protecting us as much as he could during the match. Um, but yeah, like he, that's kind of what stood out to me too, was like, he was actually like a really, really cool uh, down to earth dude. What was it like backstage, man? Cause I hear that it's like uh, you eyes to the ground, stay out of everyone's way type thing. Or was it, were you welcomed pretty well? I'll tell you what, catering's the tits, man. Like, you definitely want to be there for the catering. What do they got? Um, <laughs> tell me. Tell me. I've actually always wanted to know this. What, is it just sandwiches? They got some, some porterhouses or what? Oh, yeah. They have basically anything you want, man. It's uh, it's all top-notch stuff. At least the times I was back there, it was always, like, top-of-the-line food and different options, you know? So, so yeah, man. Uh, I kind of – I was. it was always, like, a running joke with me and uh, some of the buddies that went to um, – you know, Harley's with me. Um, 
one of the guys is actually a referee now for WWE. He's been there for quite a while, but we'd always joke because the first time we went backstage, like I took all kinds of those uh, Uncrustables, the peanut butter and jelly Uncrustables, you know, and like they always made <laughs> made fun of me for that. Oh, nice. And so like, like every time I see him or, you know, um, kind of come across him, we'll, we'll kind of joke about that. But, um, but no, man, I mean, yeah, I mean, dude, they kind of tell you to, you know, just keep to yourself, you know, don't say hi to anybody unless they say, uh, say hi to you. And, um, you know, I have a couple of like really kind of cool moments, um, I guess I'll share with you guys if, if that's Please. cool. But uh, uh, yeah, one time. Uh, so I think this was my first time doing the, sh- um, the extra thing here in Denver. Um, and I had gotten the suit, you know, I didn't have a suit at the time. So I went and bought one. And um, I guess I was, you know, too nervous to really like examine the suit, you know, f- uh, front and back. And so there was like two, two strings, like in the very back of my jacket that I, I guess I was supposed to take off. that I didn't realize um, that I was supposed to. And uh it was actually kind of cool because, like, you know, um, instead of, you know, letting me walk around like a dick the whole day, um, uh, AJ Lee, who was there at the time, she came up to me and she's like, hey, you, I think those strings need to come off the back of your jacket. Awesome. And I was like, oh, awesome. Thank you. That's, that's so cool of you to say that because nobody else told me, you know, like everyone would have just let me walk around like that all day. But she actually was cool enough to come and say, like, hey, you might want to just take those strings out. So so that was kind of a cool moment, you know, to, to have that. Um, she, someone like, you know, she was really high level at the time, too, you know. She so. took your tag in. She did, man. So uh, yeah, I definitely appreciate AJ Lee for that, man. And um, she could have just said "fuck off," you know, young guy. But she helped me out, so that was cool. Um, and then, and then uh, the other really cool moment was uh, we were backstage, and they, you know, I don't know if you guys know much about how they treat extras back there, but um, they either give you like a, the tiniest room they can, like a tiny little like you know closet space, or they'll set up like one of those makeshift like uh, tents, you know, to to have you guys all sit in and so um this story was we were in one of those tents and it was me and probably like eight other guys like getting ready to be um um adam rose's um entourage you know oh <laughs> nice rosebuds. one of the what, rosebuds yeah so that was uh one of the nights i was a rosebud and um it was also the night that uh stone cold steve austin was gonna have his podcast with uh i think it was triple h that night jesus and they were gonna they were gonna do it right after the show and so, you know, we're all kind of getting ready, getting changed, and um, all of a sudden, like, somebody peeks in our little curtain, and it's, it's fucking Stone Cold. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> like, oh. Christ. <laughs> and he's like, oh, they, they treat you boys, or he said they got you boys in uh, luxury here, don't they? And uh, we're all, <laughs> like, laughing, like, oh, shit, Stone Cold. <laughs> but, yeah, so that was kind of just, like, a, a really, like, uh, like whoa moment, you know, because Stone Cold was the man when I was watching growing up, and to see him, you know, just come up to us like that was, was pretty awesome. Dude, that's incredible, man. I don't know what I would do if I'd meet Stone Cold, uh... Morales here always gives me shit because Jericho is my hero, but uh, <laughs> but Stone Cold is my favorite wrestler of all time. I I I don't know if I would have been able to perform after seeing that guy. I would have just I I would have been too starstruck. Like Stone Cold's yeah. here, fuck it, I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one of those moments. Like you just don't don't say anything because you know it's gonna be something stupid. You know. Um, <laughs> and then Stone one other, Cold. I guess I'll mention one other one because it's, it's one me? moment that I wish I would have said something a little bit different. Um, and I'll tell you what that is. But um, so it was right around the time when Seth Rollins was like getting pushed to the moon, and it was the Rosebud thing again. We're all just kind of hanging out in the back, and um, you know Seth comes walking by. He's like Rosebuds, how you doing? And I just, you know, kind of quick thinking, said something stupid. I'm like, Rosie, you know? And he's like, good answer. And, uh, but when, when I thought about it afterwards, like, damn, I should have said something like even more stupid. Like, I'm, I'm feeling kind of thorny right now, Seth. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm a rosebud, you know? Like, I have these thorns. Like, I'm feeling kind of thorny. But <laughs> I guess maybe that might have been a little bit too inappropriate or something, you know, or too It either, either would have worked 
or you, you'd have been kicked out. Or, exactly. <laughs> One or the other. It, he either would have popped huge or you were done. If, exactly. If yeah. he just so said I think thorny. I made the right choice on that one. If you said thorny, you should have started gyrating your hips. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to say in that with that kind of tone too. I'm kind of feeling kind of thorny right now, you know, like <laughs> really make it awkward. But <laughs> yeah, it came, too, it came too late. It came to my mind after that. So I think, yeah, I, I did right on that one. Man, like that was probably the hardest. Let me, let me phrase that. The last time I truly enjoyed a solid year, maybe two years of WWE, was when Seth Rollins was getting pushed to the moon as that chicken shit champion, man. And <laughs> yeah. It, it it really taught me what it was re-taught me what it was like to uh to hate and love a guy at the same time and but like he was always finishing clean he he'd be chicken shit but then he'd always finish cleaning the ring and then mm-hmm. man I, I hated him but then i i wanted to cry when i heard about his knee man and that and then seeing him punished and then maybe when aj came back showed up for the first time i think that was the last time i was really fully invested i think it's probably been a a solid two years since I actually made it through an entire raw. Wow, really? Yeah, it's been really hard for me, man. Like, uh, I, 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 once I started learning about everything and I saw them punishing people, and then the the storylines got more and more. Um, and I, and I don't want you to comment. I don't want you to bury yourself or any way put you in position. That's that's not what I'm I'm getting at here. It's just I, I got so invested in AEW, obviously because it was really in the Bullet Club and in in New Japan and that sort of thing, but. The when I was really okay, this is legit. Was when they didn't punish Luchasaurus for getting hurt. They kept him on the show. They kept him on BTE, and then they brought him back as soon as they could. And he was he still had his spot as opposed to what I saw when how how badly they treated Seth when he came. I mean, when he came back in you know fucked up uh, uh, Roman Reigns just just for a minute, and but still then like it took him like a year before he even got anywhere close to anything. Like how did you do that to your boy, man? He did everything yeah. he could. And that hurt me, man. Like that, I was like, man, I, 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 if you're not protecting him backstage like that, you put, like he didn't, he was doing everything he could. I mean, obviously, trying to do that with Kane was a bad idea in Germany. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm ranting, man. I'm, I'm sorry, man. Like, no, you're good, man. I, I, no, I definitely feel that too. And I think that's where you know, um, that's an area WWE can definitely improve in, man. It's not just you know, um, they didn't just do it with Seth, you know, but like. You know, Balor, they were about to push him to the moon, then he got hurt when he, you know, won the Universal title, and then he never made it back after (laughs) that, really. Like, you know, they they kind of tried here and there, but they didn't try like they did when they initially, you know, put the strap on him, and so that was hard to see. You know, like, you want them to build new stars, and that's what they really, honestly, like, I think that's what they really lack, is they lack um, that next big superstar, like that John Cena, that Rock, you know, those kind of guys. Like, they need somebody like that, like, big time right now, and they could have, you know, they could have worked again those guys into that level but when they when they take them a peg down like that like that's not helping them out that's not helping out the brand and it's just it's really hurting overall um you know many different things honestly so yeah i kind of agree with you on that and it's um i think it's you know it's to it's to the importance of you know just kind of taking care of your guys when they're putting their bodies on the line for you you know like Seth did, like you said, Seth did a hell of a lot during that time, and he was running himself ragged, and, you know, for, you knew he was going to come back strong, too, and he did, and um, it would have been nice to see, you know, a little bit more of a continued push when he got back, but it just, yeah, it just wasn't, um, you know, the approach they took. What have you been watching? To be honest, it's, uh, it's hard to watch things anymore, (laughs) like when, when you have two daughters that are young and need a lot of attention, so when I find time to watch stuff, um, 
you know, I, honestly, I really am a big fan of the NBA, so I do watch a lot of basketball. Um, I do keep up with wrestling still, too, but it's just kind of hard to watch live. So when I can, I, you know, I'll, I'll watch it at night when my daughter is finally asleep um, after I put her to sleep. But um, I'd say for the most part, NBA and um, and some wrestling here and there. And also I've been watching uh, a lot of like WandaVision lately, that kind of stuff. I know I'm sure uh, uh, Morales, you've been watching that, too, right? I'm caught up on every episode. Yeah, I nice. am. Yeah. I, he's. I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting till this week till it's over. I've stayed away from most of the spoilers uh, as best I could because I wanted to binge it because those first two episodes just really put me on my ass, man. It's. It's. Uh, did Did you get the name though? Like what it means, WandaVision. Like as in television, as in it's if Wanda was making her own. Like, yeah. like the, the play on words, it's Wanda Vision, but of course it's her. Like I, I, I loved that, and then we were popping hardcore uh, a couple weeks ago when it first came out, and just uh, of all the different old, like, because I, I got really lucky, and I, I watched a ton of old Nick and Knight when I was a kid, so I got all those little references, Dick Van Dyke. Nice. Um, uh-huh. uh huh. It, it made me so happy, but like uh, the 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 concept of it, it's dangerous in a good way. And I'm glad yeah. I'm glad they challenge us and to be smart enough to understand what's happening. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton going on in that show, man. It's just it's crazy, and they did the minds behind it have done just a, an incredible job of bringing that to life, you know. And it's going to be sad for it to be coming to an end, honestly, you know. Like, it's yeah. what I look forward to every Friday now, and um, it'll be gone after this, you know, until maybe another show like um, Falcon Friday. and Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier comes along, but. But yeah, they're definitely planting a lot of great seeds, and they're leaving a lot of things um, up to interpretation and to for guys, you know, like us to figure out. And so, it's just it's been a cool ride, man, to be on, and uh, it's gonna be yeah, kind of unfortunate when it comes to an end. Isn't it interesting to see what they pick out of of the old school lore to to put into into the show? Like, I mean, of all of all the things, Agatha Harkness, like, <laughs> right? Yeah, that that's uh, that's how do you pitch that? Like, it's one of those things, like. We don't give a shit about her. No one cares about her, but there was someone there that did and, and really made it work. I mean, like... Oh, yeah. And, like, props to the casting, man, because like, I can't remember the actress's name, but, man, she plays the part, like, incredibly well, you know? Like, she just sucks you in no matter what what scene she's in. She'll make you laugh. She'll make you, like, like oh, what's she, what's she going to do next? You know, like, she just has that... Uh, that uh that i guess charisma as a as an actress to to bring you in like that and to really just make you uh, wonder what she's gonna do next you know so um they did a great job getting her to play that role did you see the preview for uh winter soldier and falcon i did but i didn't like i haven't watched it like you know i guess with a as close of an eye as i should have i just kind of like you know saw it. i think it was super bowl sunday it came out and i was kind of just you know glancing at it but um but from what I could tell, it looks really awesome, and I'm sure they're going to have a lot of cool surprises and um, you know some some really cool Easter eggs in there too. I popped when I saw Zemo actually had the mask. Oh right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, like that was okay because like they they tried to make him Zemo, and I'm like, okay, this uh, Age of Ultron was a little difficult for me. It wasn't the best one. I'm a huge James Spader fan, but uh, like, where's the goddamn mask? <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, just give me the damn mask. You know, getting those uh, gimmicks over, man. But uh, if if you don't mind, um, we want to talk a little bit about gimmicks because um, that's what we we do the comic show as well. We do a, a full show just talking about comics and just warm us up into that. What what are some of your favorite gimmicks, just in general, comics, uh, wrestling? I mean, like uh, just to start you off, like 
gold dust. I mean, that's a gimmick. I mean, like, uh, I, I know some hardened homophobes that love the shit out of gold dust. <laughs> I won't lie, man. I was a gold dust fan too back in the day. It just was like one of those characters that was like totally out there and like different, you know, that like it drew you in, you know, like everybody else was like, rawr, rawr, and you're big and strong and bulky. And here's this dude, like, you know, like, Acting like uh, some, you know, I don't even know what to call him, but like you were just totally out there, like totally acting fairy. totally different than any of those guys were doing, you know. And just uh, the music too. I always remember the music, you know. His music was always like something that kind of like it would always play in the background every time he would talk and you know make these little promos. And so that was always something they did really well with him too. Was you know have that music accompanying him and um, just the way he delivered the character, his lines and stuff like that was um, was really great, man. Um, but yeah, one of my favorite characters of all time is uh, Beaver Cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the best gimmick I've ever heard in my whole life. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame it only lasted, what, maybe two or three weeks, and then that one, they pulled the plug on it. Um, yeah, that one was definitely a hard one to swallow. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's I can't. I honestly still can't believe it. I, I I like to throw out the Beaver Cleavage name sometimes, like on Twitter when people are when people ask like serious questions. You're like, oh, who, you know, who's the most underrated you know wrestler in the past twenty year twenty years? And I'll put Beaver Cleavage, you know, on the on the Twitter feed just to see what people say. But <laughs> yeah, um, no, man, gimmick wise, I get to see. Um, I guess comic book wise, you know, Wolverine's always been my favorite. He's a lot of people's favorite, so it's not like a big spoiler there. But um, I've that. always loved Wolverine as a as a gimmick, and you know his backstory and stuff like that's always been really cool. The way he's been developed, so um, that's always probably that's probably my favorite superhero um, gimmick. Um, as far as wrestling gimmicks go, that's kind of a tough one, man. I guess I don't know if I have like a really top favorite one. I mean, I was a huge you know Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior guy when I was a kid, so I think that. You know, um, I don't think there's ever going to be another guy like the Warrior. You know, there can be guys like Hogan. I guess, you know, Cena can be compared to Hogan, you know, kind of. But there's really honestly not too many guys that I would compare to the kind of effect that the Warrior had, you know. Like, like you know, running to the ring, like freaking 100 miles an hour to that music, you know. Like, everyone, no matter who you were as a kid, you know, just loved seeing that. They would get so fucking pumped to see that shit, you know. So um, there's not really any guys, I don't think, that have really, you know, been able to do that to capture that kind of energy um, like the Warrior did. Kane got closest me. one I could think to Warrior would probably be like Goldberg, maybe. Oh, yeah, I think that's probably like Goldberg at his peak. Yeah, was they probably like the everything. closest that, that could really compare. Like it was a different thing entirely. Like, but they were both at their core kind of killing machines. Yeah, so but if Goldberg ran to if Goldberg ran to the ring like that, he would be done. He wouldn't be able to do <laughs> <a> match. <laughs> yeah. which, 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 which was it? SummerSlam '03 or '04? Or he like went for the kick and threw his pyro and slipped. Oh right, <laughs> it'd have been that every night. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's where Warrior gets the most process because like nobody else ran to the ring like him, and like who the hell would you know? He was the only crazy guy to to want to do that before a match, you know, like, go out there and work so a match bad. and not get blown up. But he did it somehow. So. <laughs> he was. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're gonna get blown up. You must if your gimmick is just a couple of clotheslines and you step on the guy. <laughs> Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never got paid by the hour, that's for sure. Kane got me. Kane was the one gimmick. I mean, like, everyone really was a huge – I love Stone Cold. Like I said, he's my favorite. But the one gimmick that was my favorite was Kane. 
like nice. the 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 mask the the unmasking the the fact that him and of course him and Undertaker were brothers like that 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 it wrote it it's one of the few times where where the uh, it writes itself uh actually really worked out for the the benefit of the wrestler and the fans uh like i said the unmasking uh who was his girlfriend um Tori yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and then uh and then he quote unquote evolves into corporate cane, you know, to get pissed off like he's some fucking Jekyll and Hyde thing. And, and I, I I bought it. <laughs> Hook line and sinker on that one, man. Yeah. I just really was honestly disappointed in the unmasking. Like I really wish it would have been like gruesome and like a lot more scary, you know, but I mean yeah. I guess there's no way to really to do that because I mean he's not gonna be able to work a mask in, you know, a prosthetic mask and like a fake like a droopy face, like bubbling face or something like that from being burned, you know? But I think, you know, that was probably, I thought I did love the Kane character too when he first came out, but I think when he had the unmasking finally, I was like, Oh, what really? Yeah. Just shave half his head and smear some ash on his face. And then, uh, huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then could have played better and then get yeah. mad. Well, I liked it when he'd freak out, like you're making fun of me. Like, Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed the, when him and RVD were a tag team, that was some pretty good stuff. Oh, that was awesome. Dude, yeah. Kane in a tag team with anybody was gold. Yeah, I liked him and uh, him and Hurricane was great. Of course, mm-hmm. when they were the Hurricanes. Yep. <laughs> freaking uh, him and RVD was gold. Freaking him and Daniel Bryan was freaking a classic. Yeah, that was like, Brothers of Destruction were just killing machines. Like I remember, freaking they bought they set up to where it was like I think it was him and it was going to be those two against Haku and freaking Rikishi, and I was like. Oh, this is gonna they're just gonna beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> yeah, man, those guys don't they don't uh, don't take a light when you're when you're big boys like that. You gotta make it uh, you know, really look as real as possible. Yeah, no, definitely. Well Yeah, Undertaker's probably the I'd say, I mean he wasn't like my maybe my top favorite gimmick, but he has to be the best gimmick of all time, really. Like Yeah, definitely the longest standing. Born yeah. for it. Born for it. Are you buying any of the uh, action figures? Um, I I used to honestly like I used to buy a lot of action figures, but um, over the past few years, I guess I really haven't. Um, one I did buy actually recently was uh the Fiend uh, Bray Wyatt because I do like that character a lot too. Um, so that's one of the rare ones I got, and then I actually did get one of the uh, newest uh, Eddie Guerrero um, figures too because gotta love Eddie, you know. But um, I've actually yeah. been collecting more like marvel legends lately so that's kind of been my more my thing of uh collecting figures you know i got a jubilee the other day and it cost me 37 dollars wow yeah i didn't know they were that high when i got mine i think it was like it was you know when they first came out and i think i got it for 20 bucks but yeah they those things can tend to rise like that man and some of them are just outrageous the amount they go for you know like huge yeah you got to be lucky to either get them early or find someone selling it for cheaper than the going rate because yeah it's just crazy how how things like that explode which one did you get because i saw a, a three pack of wolverine cyclops in the jim lee style with the bomber jacket with jean gray in the jean gray like uh post marvel girl uh post x factor and i was like oh, i'll get it later it was like 30 bucks and now it's like 150 dollars on ebay Oh damn! Is it really? Well, that's yeah. good news to me because I, I do have it new in box still. So, but I got it. Uh, yeah, I, I pre-ordered that one because I didn't have a uh, X-Men are like my you know my favorite comic. So I I basically just try to mostly collect all the X-Men, um, Marvel Legends first. You know, before I 
truly get you know geeked out and get all the different ones but yeah. um that's definitely one i wanted because i didn't have a, a gene gray you know so i had to add that to my collection even though i had a wolverine and um cyclops already you should price that when we get off the phone man you're you're gonna you're gonna pop the other one was that's expensive nice. as shit is the uh havoc and polaris set that one's a lot too oh is it really yeah wow, yeah that's a that's a good one too and the one i really want like i don't want the uh I'm not so excited about the rogue figure out of it, but I want the rogue and pyro. Um, I just want the pyro from the two pack, two pack there because I don't have pyro, and that's a pretty cool new one they came out with. I never heard anyone ever pop for pyro before. That's awesome. Yeah, I love pyro, avalanche, blob. I have the blob, you know, the old school uh, build a figure blob, which is pretty pricey too. Um, so yeah, I'm a fan of that that whole stuff, man. And um, I'm hoping to do a new avalanche because the avalanche goes for quite a bit right now too, the old school one. And they haven't updated that figure in a while. So hopefully they'll come in with a cheaper option soon. I want a decent mojo. Yeah. The, the, the build a figure one's pretty cool. I don't have that one, but um, yeah, they might need to update that one too, man. And they just released a, uh, a late death strike. That's going to be coming out. And I pre-ordered that one. So are that's you a kidding pretty me? Cool looking fig- yeah. Pretty cool looking figure too. Which that's coming one? Out. Wait, like, are we talking like more updated one, or are we talking like Jim Lee Lady Deathstrike, where she's got the brown leather? Uh, she has a brown leather, yeah. So it's kind of like I don't know if you've seen the old figure. That I think it's like the old Toy Biz one. Yeah, yeah, um, I've got it. It's kind of similar to that one, but it's um, it's definitely it's definitely modern. It's definitely a lot better than that one. Like, just the um, proportions and everything are just a lot better than you know that one. I think they yeah, just kind of went with whatever design they thought back then on that one and it wasn't the best but this one definitely um looks a lot better so yeah you should look that one up too oh that's awesome man i'm glad that you're actually into that sort of thing man because we're we're heavy marks for it man hell yeah and i'm with this i think this fall i'm gonna be getting uh, i don't know if you guys saw the um the sentinel they released last year but they had like kind of like a um that big son of a bitch yeah i got i got in for that man so i'm excited to have that come this fall sometime so that was it was definitely I had to think about that one a lot because it was really pricey, but I see I see that they're um, going for double now already, like on you know just the people that pre-ordered them. So I think I made a good investment there. That Hasbro Galactus from ten years ago, I really wish I hadn't slept on that one, man. Dude, I know. Yeah, that's an awesome one too. And I've thought about uh, pulling the trigger on that one, but haven't yet. Oh, I have the, the Apocalypse one, which is pretty awesome. I did, uh, and I've been bragging about it to everyone. Uh, Tony knows this because. Uh, We'll call each other when it comes to like AEW figures and uh, McFarlane uh, DC figures, but I got I am hopelessly addicted to those McFarlane DC figures, man. Called him. Uh, my mom uh, was like, "Hey, can you take me to Target?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll take you to Target and uh, take her to Target." And she's getting her stuff and wandered into the toy area, and they've got the entire set of the uh, Last Night on Earth that the Build a Bane. Oh no way! Nice. Yeah, and I just so you got, got them all. I got I just got my bonus, uh, my, my the final half of my bonus from the holidays. So it was like, uh, was that like a month ago? And um, yeah, got them all. Like there was no question. I'm a 38 year old man <laughs> wandering around Target looking for my mama with a with a handful, like a, a, no, a chest full of McFarlane toys. <laughs> Dude, I, I feel you on that one, man. I did the same thing with uh, the Apocalypse Build a Figure, the recent one. I was walking out with a stack of you know Marvel Legends just to get that Apocalypse build a figure. So, <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man! I'm glad you got that, man. That's it's such a good feeling when you got that big boy money. I'm like, man, if only no, I do have that money. This shit is mine right now. <laughs> exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah man, nothing, nothing better. Yeah, so you guys have a pretty good collection too, then, huh? 
Uh, he's got the uh, he's got the better wrestling collection. I've got the McFarlane and some random. I, I've got a ridiculous Spawn collection. Nice. Yeah, I got him from I got him from my son. I think I have like an Eddie Guerrero and a Rick Rude. <laughs> well, that's that's a pretty good start, man. Oh, the Rick Rude at least in box. Nice. Yeah, he, I he didn't I want the Rick Rude. Rude. And I wanted the Rick Rude, so I was like, forget it. <laughs> yeah, Rude was a badass man. He's one of the underrated guys, I think. You know, they just oh, get enough love. Yeah, I didn't appreciate him when I was growing up, but like now I'm like, dude, he was especially his like WCW run in the early '90s. Yeah, not, like some of his best work, easy. You oh were. yeah, man, and then just watching that match with Sting when he hurt his back is hard to watch, man. It's like God, mm-hmm. like, you knew he could have been so much more if that didn't happen, you know? Oh yeah, I mean, so many, so many, I mean, so many guys you can say that about too, but mm-hmm. still, like Rude was, like Rude was special, and I don't oh, think yeah. anybody really. Really, ever took full advantage of what they what he could have been. Exactly, and he was one of those guys. Another one. Oh, sorry, man. What was that? Oh, you're good. I was just gonna say he's one of those guys like Harley. It was just a legit badass outside the ring, the guy you didn't fuck with, you know? (laughs) Like, yeah. And another guy really had a really deep appreciation for like later on was a big boss man. Oh, yeah, dude, boss man was freaking phenomenal. Hell yeah! I I saw this. I I I talk about the training all the time with my guys, and I'm just like. You know, you know how Vader used to hit the big clubs in the for, in the freaking corner and would just kill everybody. And like they made they made it a point one time because he's wrestling. I think uh, I remember. I think it was Guardian Angel at the time. But Bossman just started fighting back and like turned it around and just started laying haymakers on Vader. And like you would just hear that crowd lose their mind because nobody stood up to Vader the way he did. Yeah. <laughs> and like, awesome. I was like, and, and even then he was like. Dude, if anybody, WWF, WCW, anywhere, would have pulled the trigger on him, it would have been amazing. Like his his late nineties freaking big, like his WCW um, freaking Big Bubba Rogers was so bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm like, if you would have pulled the trigger, if anyone would have pulled the trigger on him in the in, in like the mid nineties to like ninety five, ninety six, maybe you'd had him. You could have printed money. Yeah. That's the that's crazy thing, man. There's so many guys back then that they, they could have pulled the trigger on, just like those Rudes and those Bossmans, the Perfects, DiBiases, like any of those guys they could have pulled the trigger on and made huge money. But, you know, for whatever reason, they didn't. And, like, nowadays it's like they pull the trigger on everybody, you know? And, like, <laughs> it just it's just totally different, man. I wish they would have that would have happened back in the day a little bit more with guys like that, you know? Yeah. Couple action yeah, figures. Definitely. Couple action figures that need to happen. They need to have a full box set of the Von Erics and a full box set of the Freebirds. They've, they've got a Freebirds one. I know that for a fact. They Don't got, forget Beaver Cleavage. And Beaver Cleavage. <laughs> they, they, they I'm got still it. waiting on that elite Beaver Cleavage to come out. <laughs> they got to do an elite rude where he's got that his opponent's wife uh, spray painted on his on his uh, on his uh, tights. That his was tights. <laughs> I, dude, I am positive. If they got the rights to it, I'm sure they've already got it. That needs to happen because that should happen if it hasn't already. <laughs> Like with That's a awesome. with a complete background to add to your uh, the screaming uh, WWE universe in the background of just like a bunch of old mills pulling their shirts up in the back, man. Like, just- <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the, the ladies did love him though, man. Like, yeah, just imagine if he was a face, like how much baby face love he would have got from the ladies. Oh, that would have been insane. Mm-hmm. I don't, th- I can't, I can't remember a valid freaking from like WCCW. Through freaking WWF, freaking maybe not even ECW, really. 
No, I can't remember a solid friggin' babyface run for Rick Rude anywhere. No, yeah, I don't think that ever happened. Yeah, and he was, again, so good. Dude, yeah, I know, man. Just totally underrated and one of those guys you don't appreciate until, unfortunately, they're gone, you know? Yeah. Proof, who was, who was the guy you hated the most, like legit hated? Uh, growing up? No, just in general. I mean, like, because, uh, like, back in the day, you get those guys, you just, wh- whether you're educated in the business or not, you just hate their goddamn guts, or if you're just a kid and you just hate them in general because they're getting legitimate heat on you. Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know if I've actually really ever had, like, a strong, like, hate for somebody. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's one I have to think about. Tony, you have any, any thoughts? Uh, first one comes to mind is probably, um, Rick the Model Martel. I hated Rick Model Martel. <laughs> like I, dude, I remember there was a six-man tag back in the day. It was him and uh, the Rougeau brothers oh, against uh-huh. Santana and the Rockers. And it was Gosh. after Strike Force's split, obviously. And he was he was full-blown model at that point. And I remember just like they won, and I remember just losing it, just being <laughs> so mad. That Rick the Model Martel freaking beat Tito Santana. <laughs> Tito's another one I will openly throw in there. Should be on that list of guys that never got their due. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I agree with that. I hated Kurt Angle. <laughs> oh, really? Nice. He did a good job making people hate him, though. I, I yeah. know he's awesome. I know he's one of the best, but I hate I hate baby faces, like, and especially these goody two-shoe assholes. And, like, one of the best moments of my – shining moments of my life was being at WrestleMania in New Orleans a couple years ago to finally get to tell him in person that he sucked as part of the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, obviously, I'm just a buzz in, 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 the, in the giant screen, but, like, it was it – was, I was happy for him. I mean, obviously, I'm growing up and know, know a lot, of, lot more about the business, but – Getting to, to say you suck was just amazing. It just felt so vindicating. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. It's probably like just a ton of pressure off your chest. And finally, I get to say that. <laughs> I told his ass he sucked. <laughs> Dude, he's actually yeah, like really cool. Like One of the coolest moments I had um, out in Missouri was we got to work a, a house show for um, TNA, and he was, um, I think, top dog at the time, champion, and um, – we had, you know, like a, a short little opening match. You know, at first they didn't want us to, you know, they didn't like, oh, we don't have time. But Harley's like, no, you're going to give my fucking boy some time. <laughs> so you don't say no to Harley. And uh, so we got a match, um, a, quick, a really quick tag match between, you know, me and three other guys at the school. Um, but after the match, like, Kurt Angle came up to all of us and, like, you know, told us, you know, what we did well and what he thinks we could do better. And, like, coming from the top guy at the time, though, that was fucking awesome, you know? And, like, I was awestruck at that moment, too, because I was a really big Kurt Angle fan. And, um, you know, guys like that, they don't have to do that, you know? They could just go off and, you know, be be the top guy and not have anyone, you know, talk to him. But he came right. up to us and, you know, and gave us some knowledge. That was pretty cool. That's <laughs> phenomenal. Shoot. Yeah. Have you thought about it yet? Who's who's the guy you don't like? <laughs> the guy I don't like, um, I did have a name. Who, who was it now? I forgot. <laughs> I got to talking and I spaced it out. Um, Don Morocco. No, never had a strong hate for Morocco. No more um, Oh, actually, yeah, I do. So one of the guys I hated, and I, maybe it was because I was just a really you know, big WWE guy back in the day, or WWF back then, but I always hated Ric Flair because <laughs> he was the top guy in WCW, really, you know, and like he was, you know. Screw the competition. 
Yeah, screw the competition. Ric Flair isn't better than, you know, Hulk Hogan or Ultimate Warrior. Like, Ultimate Warrior would kick his ass, you know? So, yeah, I think back then I was really like a big Ric, a Ric Flair hater. <laughs> the woos got on my nerves until I got older. <laughs> yeah, I didn't appreciate him until later on myself, too. You know, I, some of the style at first I was like, you know, I know this guy's kind of corny, but, you know, I could see later on down the line, like, what he was trying to do and the story he was trying to tell. So I could appreciate it more. Yes, yeah, he's definitely no beaver cleavage. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> he's, he might be a level below, but, you know, he's close. Did you guys yeah. ever see the Shockmaster action figure? No, there's one. Yeah, it's actually upside down falling through through a wall. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You, 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 you got to look. That one. Yeah, you got to keep it in box, though. You can't, you can't take it out of the box. <laughs> exactly. Can't. Well, it might fall out of the box anyway. So. <laughs> ah. <laughs> you you got to look Damn, it up, man. Keeps falling off my wall. It, even even the back is clear. So if you turn it around, there's no back to it. It's just clear because he's in the front. He's falling like he's completely upside down, facing the wall. He just fell through on the front. In the back, you can see the stormtrooper helmet, and they, they did it perfect. Wow, that's awesome, man! I got to see that one. I have to look it up. That was an elite from like seven years ago. Jesus. Oh wow! Oh, really? Yeah. Missing out. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Well, where have I been? Damn. Well, we we appreciate being on the show, man. You got to how do we find you, man? Uh, when are you going to be uh, getting booked again? You got are you on the radar at the moment or are you still just chilling with the family? Yeah, right now I'm kind of just uh, you know, living it, I guess, day to day, week to week, month to month. Um to be quite honest, you know, like the pandemic has hit me hard as far as not, you know, being able to work out like I'm used to, like, you know, prior to it, like when I had my, you know, my uh, shoot job that I was going to every day. You know, for my lunch hours, I would go work out, you know, I'd go hit the gym and, you know, I was there, you know, four or five days a week and, you know, that was my routine. So I was always keeping in shape. And now, man, like since the pandemic hit and things have changed, like I haven't been working out hardly at all, you know, unfortunately. So, yeah, I mean, this year is all about kind of getting back to that norm, you know, for me, like um, thankfully we're, you know, we have a, a pretty good um, garage, pretty good size garage. So we're converting that to our gym. Um, we have a lot of equipment, you know, set up already. So we're basically now just trying to finally get a schedule down to where, you know, my wife and I could both start working out because we're, we're workoutaholics, you know, like that's where, that's what we do. And like this past year, we haven't been able to do it. So we're kind of like really <laughs> like losing our minds, like not being able to. But um, I think once I start again, you know, at least back into the shape that I'm comfortable being in and, um, you know, just knowing that I'm not going to go out there and look like shit or, you know, be um, blowing up right away then I'll probably start really looking to uh, to get back into bookings. But I also want to make sure, you know, it's a safe time as well, you know, because I don't want to put my family in danger or nothing like that. Right, of course. I'm into that. Yeah. Well, uh, Tony and I are pretty big hitters over at CSW, man. We, we're uh, – and that's not, here. That's, that's no smoke. Uh, we <laughs> will uh, – Oh, it's all kinds of smoke. It's, oh, <laughs> we're, talking like, we're talking like burning buildings kind of smoke, but <laughs> – I'm actually the janitor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Like, I know a guy. He works in catering. Yeah. No, man, CSW has always been one I wanted to work, you know. Like, I never, um, never just for whatever reason, um, you know, had the opportunity to come about. But, um, you know, like now, in the future, it's definitely, um, you know, a company here in Colorado I have my eye on. And one I want to definitely, you know, kind of get involved in and help grow and help to, uh, you know, to be one of the bigger names here in Colorado. Well, we'd love to have you, man. Uh, we've got the school at SoCo Pro Dojo. We'd love to have you there. Tony does uh, – we, we work on it on Saturday mornings and go straight to the school. 
and then it's just on, man. Uh, no matter how late we stay up drinking and talking about comic books, we're we're there at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, you gotta stick to it, man. You gotta stick to that schedule. Yeah. And yeah, no, definitely. That's one of the biggest things about training is just having that schedule set up. Mm-hmm. Mm. Once you break from that, it's hard to get back. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, it's like I broke away from my routine of going to the gym every day, and now that I don't have that, it's been hard to get back. You know, so I definitely feel that. Once I start getting back in that routine, I'll be, I'll be, uh, you know, ready to get back into it soon. Well, proof. How do we find uh, you on a? How do we find you on a social media? Yeah, so um, I'm on uh, Facebook as Johnny Proof. Um, I have like a profile set up for Johnny Proof, and then on Twitter at Johnny Proof. Um, then I also have a YouTube channel um, under Johnny Proof. And honestly, that's the thing I've been lacking over the years and, you know, just kind of doing more content. And, you know, the times I do, um, I get some good feedback, but I just don't do it as often. So I'm trying to focus on that a little bit more too moving forward. But, yeah, that's where you can find me and, um, you know, reach out to me for any questions, any want to talk shit to me, that's fine too. You know, um, I'm all for anything. <laughs> well, we- Was that anything included Johnny Proof versus Beaver Cleavage match? We can I'm get open, that man. Book. That's my dream match. You know, that's that's one I want to. <laughs> that's on my bucket list for sure. It'll be, it'll be the Flair Steamboat of this era. <laughs> I will <laughs> buy the shit right. out of that Elite Two Pack. <laughs> <laughs> if CSW wants to book it, man, I'm there. Uh oh. <laughs> again, again, we know the janitor. Yeah, we know the janitor. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, for sure. Proof, that's man. Awesome. It's it's been awesome having you in the show, man. Anything you got left for us before we uh, sign out here? We got you on for an hour and thirty. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. It's been fun. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been cool uh, catching up with you, Morales, and to to meet you, man. And then look forward to hopefully working with you guys again soon. And, um, yeah, I just really appreciate you guys, you know, um, doing what you're doing, not just for me, but for other guys in the business. And hopefully uh, this will help, you know, grow you guys some. And I'd love to be a part of it. Well, the second you feel safe, man, uh, come down on a Saturday morning and we'll work out and go to the school. Hell yeah. We got those crunch. We'll we got those crunch guest passes. Oh, sweet. Yeah, those are hard to get, I've heard. So, yeah, I'm I'm down. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thanks again, Proof. We are signing out on a minefield. Take care, man. Yeah, don't don't hang up. Don't hang up. We are going to sign out on a This is Dangerous and This Transmission is Over, and I'm ending the recording.